2: You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big, I mean huge, for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get
3: started.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your main event, Mark's Podcast, now on the Unhinged Sports Network. I am your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and current cat dad, Troy. And with me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, the main event collector, and the Vader to my Jim Cornette. Mother He's Greg. What's up, Greg?
1: How am a heel. Oh, came out of a big box from Rocky
3: Mountain Box. Uh, no, he no longer believes you've come out of a box. You're over.
2: Oh, when did he say that?
3: When Chris Statlander came out of a box and no one gave a damn.
2: <laughs> oh, 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 man. Uh, I didn't even think about that.
3: Yeah, I,
2: yeah, because I forgot. I saw that clip and I was like, oh, man, she's gonna be over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, according to Corny, right?
3: I had to retract my statements. People that come out of a box are not instantly over anymore. <laughs>
2: Should have retracted that crap, like, way back when he said it.
3: All right. I th- or, you, just, I, no, just, or just, you know, just don't say it.
2: Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, I, I like how Bruce Pritchard was the one that blew the uh, top off that box and, yeah, let us all, right. and let us all know. It's like, yeah, Cornette thinks that if uh, you come out of a box, you're over. That's why we did it with Chainsaw Charlie. I'm like, what the F? Like, that's such a random thought.
3: I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, people blow the roof off for people when they come out of a box, but that doesn't mean you're over. It's just a pop. Uh, Last
2: week, if any of you listened, we covered a not so good show. Don't worry, our podcast was much better and contained much more interesting information. But uh, last week, we covered uh, Great American Bash 1991 for the 30-year anniversary, or coming up on the 30-year anniversary in July, I guess. But, ugh. The show comedically sucked, and sometimes those are some of our best podcasts. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we always get positive feedback on those ones. I've, I've heard people say I had no interest in that show, and then I listened to your podcast, and I loved it. So that's some of the I'm best compliments now. we can get.
3: Take what I can get.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, high school flashback. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but uh, this hey, one cool. is an act. This one's actual, like, good stuff. Like, we're covering a...
3: Historically... Yeah, this is uh, one of my all-time favorite pay-per-views. I'm not going to say it's one of the best, but it's one of my all-time favorites.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a, sto- it's a historic pay-per-view. It's actually really good. I mean, it's not like, oh my gosh, can you believe, like, top to bottom, that card was so damn great. But it it did have some a lot of good stuff on here, and it was memorable and historic. So that's And not in a bad way, where it's like... Pfft, man, do you remember when, you know, like now in the archives, do you remember when RoboCop came out to save Sting? (laughs) Like, that stuff was memorable and historic. And it sucked.
3: I think that's a real real thing that people don't realize. Memorable, historic, and all that is susceptible to your your definition.
2: Yeah, I know, right? Well, this may not have been the greatest night in the history of our great sport, but it was a great show, I'll say that.
3: It was one of the most historic nights in the history of our great sport.
2: Absolutely. And we'll dive into all that here in just a moment. Uh before we dive into the news and notes, uh I do want to let you know that we are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. Links are down in the podcast description. And please subscribe and leave a review. Be like good old Uncle Dave with a Ric Flair match. Give it five stars. It'll help us get seen. And And uh, as
3: usual, by the way, if you are in the Japan area, you can leave a seven star review or something. Yeah.
2: Like I said, I, I heard that uh Dave Meltzer is reaching out to Apple Podcasts as we speak and lobbying them. That's like, hey, uh, uh in the Japanese market, let them do seven stars. You know, just let it be a Kenny Omega rating. So we'll get in on get in on all of that on the ground floor of it if you're over there or use a VPN to, to, to do that. But we're going to take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're diving into the news and notes.
1: Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector.
2: Get all the best podcast swag from the Main Event Marks. Our merch shop offers custom graphics, including the podcast logo on hats, shirts, masks, greeting cards, and more. There are tons of new designs with more dropping all the time. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Main Event Marks to grab your podcast merch today and become an official Main Event Mark. That's redbubble.com forward slash people
1: forward slash Main Event Marks. Marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
2: And we're back! So it's time to dive into the news and notes. Before we do, real quick, uh... It's five o'clock somewhere. There we go. Oddly enough, like, the last two times I've actually, like, had a beer while drinking, while, you know, covering the podcast or whatever, it's been for good shows, not ones that I have to get liquored up for. (laughs) So... But take that for what it is. This first what one, time? dude. <laughs> right. Although I'm not drinking cores. This first story, man. WWF filed a lawsuit and restraining order request against Turner Broadcasting, WCW, and Eric Bischoff this week over oh, the angle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wonder what happened during this time. Uh, but it was over the angle involving Kevin Nash and Scott Hall invading WCW. There are four counts to the lawsuit. The first is unfair competition under the Lanham Act, whatever that is, which basically says that oh, WCW... Oh, yeah, you know,
3: that's that one.
2: Yeah, the one act by that uh, Lanham first. Yeah, anyway. It basically says that WCW has falsely and deceptively tried to confuse viewers into believing WWF is affiliated with or involved in an interpromotional angle with WCW. The second... Trademark and Trade Dress Infringement and False Designation or Origin. Lord, that's a mouthful. Which is basically... Yeah, right. Which is basically WWF claiming that they have the rights to Scott Hall acting like Razor Ramon. The third is another unfair practices claim citing WCW privately spreading... Is privately spreading false rumors that WWF is facing bankruptcy or having money problems in order to encourage wrestlers to leave... Well, I mean, I don't know if they were falsely spreading that stuff, but, uh, I mean, it's not like they were doing gangbusters business at this time.
3: I I don't think think 96 was a bankrupt year, though. That was 95.
2: Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad, but, I mean, they were still, I mean, I think they were doing okay, but, uh, you remember in 97, one of the things with, with Brett is they said they didn't have enough money to be able to financially, uh, fulfill that contract he signed. So I
3: just held on for a while longer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I know. It's like, it's like if you would have stuck it out for like three more years, man, like you would have been rolling it. Not even that long. You'd have been rolling in the dough. Uh, but the final count. I got de- more, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but the final count is a defamation and libel charge stemming from the February 5th episode of Nitro when the lights went out. And Eric Bischoff on commentary implied that WWF was responsible for the power outage. The lawsuit is asking that Turner and WCW forfeit all profits earned from the Hall-Nash angle and pay punitive damages and attorney fees. Oh.
3: My. God. Talk about overshooting. That light one is, like, clearly a joke. That was
2: hilarious. But, yeah, they're not—they were not playing around. Like, seriously? Oh, well, forfeit over all uh, profits earned from the Hall-Nash angle. Okay, how can you, like, prove money you earned was specifically from Hall & Nash? Unless you're talking about merchandise.
3: Uh, I, I'm i just going to say they're, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Commercials, the advertising revenue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose. Again, I'm just guessing. But... Yeah, but it, it's like you have to specifically prove these wrestlers drew this much money or, you know, did this, so therefore we made that. That's that's like impossible to prove. Like you talk about
3: overreaching. what I guess. I
2: yeah, I I don't know. It's freaking stupid. Like WWF was really reaching with this one. I'll say that. But and I mean they did have to make some overtures, which you know we'll talk about here in a second because the story continues. But that stuff, like wow. I will admit, you know, obviously Scott Hall came in doing some of the Razor stuff. You know, uh, I think... what Didn't he start off, like, saying Chico? Um, or,
3: I can't he remember. Comes he comes in, he said... Uh, I think he I starts off with, you people know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Mm. But he did do the carve you up thing with the toothpick, so... That was not that, too subtle.
2: Yeah, that one was the one I was like, okay, I get that one. The other stuff, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the restraining order requests... Also uh, also asks that WCW be prohibited from insinuating that WWF is involved with the angle in any way or from using any of WWF's trademark names or dress that would uh, confuse viewers, no references to Razor Ramon or the bad guy, and no presenting Scott Hall as Hispanic using the accent, the toothpick, etc.
3: Oh, you never stop using the toothpick, but...
2: Yeah, that... And, again, I think that one goes back to, he had the toothpick as the Diamond Stud, so that wasn't new. But,
3: I will say this, I know I was only 12, but it confused me. I thought they were with the WWE, so it's not right. like it's far-fetched. Um, but Because
0: I mean, they I never use
3: their names on TV, if you, if you noticed. Well, you probably didn't see it, but yeah, they never used their names. Right. I and in subsequent years, Kevin Sullivan basically said he it was his idea.
2: Yeah. So. Uh, well, Eric Bischoff was saying that from the get go, he wanted them to be known as Scott Hall and Kevin Ash. Like he had no other name ideas for them. Because I did read something in The Observer around this time where they were saying, Well, they're probably going to debut as like it was like complete rip off names of Razor and Diesel. I can't remember what they were off the top of my head now. But uh you know, they it was the equivalent of like when Earthquake became Avalanche, you know, that kind of stuff.
3: And they didn't learn their lesson then?
2: Yeah, well, keep in mind, this was Uncle Dave reporting this garbage, so I don't believe it. Well, uh, acor- <laughs> according All to right. Eric Bischoff, he said, no, I wanted them to use their real names and be real people. But the same is in the case for Kevin Nash. No references to Diesel or Big Daddy Cool. No black leather pants and black glove, etc. Well, he did. He never stopped wearing the black leather
3: there pants. There is no patent on a black glove. I know. <laughs> if there is, it belongs to Sean Spears.
2: Wow. No, Greg, he got rid of the glove and he got chairs now.
3: Yeah, that's better.
2: Yeah, well, how has L.A. Park not sued him for gimmick infringement yet? (laughs) But the request also asks that WCW not be allowed to show any clips of Hall and Nash's previous WCW appearances in advertising. Okay, how can you stop a company from using their own footage of guys they now employ?
3: I don't know, but here's my thing. Why would they want to show that crap? Yeah. I'm scholar Kevin Ashley. I don't want them to show that. I want it to be forgotten. So I'm going along with that one. Yeah, fine, whatever.
2: (laughs) I mean, if you're going off of what Bischoff said, his idea for the gimmick was, I I could see because his whole thing is he's like, well, they were buried the first time they were there and never given a chance. And now they're back to, you know, prove that they're big time. It's like, okay, maybe. But I don't think that ever crossed their mind where it's like, hey, man. And uh, dig up some of that old mini Vegas footage. Yeah. Give, give me some old diamond stud.
3: I'm pretty sure even you know, like, even the money-grubbing Nash is fine letting that die. <laughs>
2: right. He's like, but Me? Uh, nope. I was never Master Blaster. <laughs> but check this out. The, these requests from the WWF are just getting... And this isn't Dave reporting this. This is, like, actual, like, from the legal documents. So this is... <laughs> this is real. But best of all, on every Nitro from now until the Bash of the Beach pay-per-view, WWF lawyers request that WCW announcers give the following three statement or the following statement three times per episode of Nitro. This is just – my gosh.
3: You can't even get it out.
2: It's (laughs) not good. It's, It's just so terrible. Okay, here's the statement. They want three times per Nitro. Quote, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are both under contract to WCW, and all of their actions since May 27th, 1996 have been at the direction of WCW. Any statements made by us or suggestion made by us that Hall or Nash are affiliated with the WWF were false and misleading. The WWF was not and has not been in any way affiliated with the portrayal of Hall and Nash since May 27th, 1996, And there will not be any matches between WWF wrestlers and WCW wrestlers on Nitro or any of our shows or on any of our pay-per-views. Any statement until
3: July of 2001. Sorry, go on. (laughs) Right. Uh,
2: Any statement or suggestion to that effect by WCW and TBS personnel are or was false. Uh, If you wish to view WWF wrestlers, you should watch the WWF's programs, including Monday Night Raw, which airs on the USA Network Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern.
3: Okay, and so quick. from that, by the way, I just got that they, this, they snuck in a cheap plug in their legal document, so... Yep. You gotta, you gotta kind of respect that. That's funny.
2: <laughs> well, I like how they're like, legally, you have to plug our show. Like, uh, legally, you can suck my ass. <laughs> like, I've heard WWF has great lawyers, and I guess, you know, they did settle with most oh, of the I stuff, they obviously, a- but...
0: Career.
2: Okay, well, yeah. But uh, this is just... Like seriously, who thought that this would ever go over well? Like no I don't judge know the excuse. in the world.
3: I don't know the excuse either because they weren't yet getting their asses handed to them weekly. Oh, that, that hasn't started yet. So I don't um, know.
2: Not weekly, but it was labor. Well, I think that's why I said yeah, victories, week- right? Uh,
3: yeah. Yeah, when weekly they weren't like losing.
2: Right. Well, I I feel like well it's Vince McMahon's thing of it's like before they get too big, kick them in the nuts. You know. So I I mean. Dirty pool is the only pool they play, man. So, but I just, I can't see where anybody saw this and was like, like, they had to have been laughing their asses off while typing this out and then handing it to a judge. Like, <laughs> what can you imagine? <laughs> but further on to finish this out, WCW and WWF lawyers appeared before a judge to make arguments in the case. But the judge is currently in the midst of a major organized crime drug case and said that he doesn't have time to devote to the case at the moment. But that when the organized crime trial finishes up, he'll take the hearings on the case. However, by that time, the Bash of the Beach pay-per-view will have already taken place. So this is a
1: major win for WCW. Why?
2: What? what do you mean he's he's doing an organized drug crime case? Like what the hell? This is wrestling, damn it! You put yeah. that silly stuff aside for this.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying it sarcastically.
2: Uh, oh man. <laughs> I like that. You, I, I bet you like WWF lawyers tried to do that, too. It's like, hey, you know, whatever, drugs. We got copyright infringement on a wrestling show, all right? Like, free <laughs> your ass up. Wow. And I had to sneak this one in here because this is effing hilarious, and I know you'll get a kick out of it, and you and I have heard this stuff before. It's all according to Uncle Dave, which means the story is completely fabricated. The identity of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash's third man is being kept super secret.
3: The oh, well, it's it's got to be Mabel.
2: Well, the original plan <laughs> was Lex Luger, but that probably isn't happening now. Hall, Nash and Eric Bischoff have been discussing names and currently the top candidate is Mabel. And they also floated Crush's name but decided against him. They'd really like it to be Bret Hart, but he he's obvious, excuse me, he's previously turned down all of WCW's offers and is still under contract with the WWF, so it won't be him. You ever see my cousin Vinny? Yeah. Everything that guy just said is bullshit.
3: <laughs> I think Bischoff like was adamant on one of his pod, on one of his one episode of it. He, he never spoke to Brett outside of a bump into him in the bar. Uh, the uh, excuse me, the um, uh, airport bar. Yeah. He he said said someone saw him talking, and someone decided to blow it up, and Dave ran with it.
2: Yeah, he said he had a discussion with him. He like like floated something about, you know, would he ever come work for us, whatever. But he's like, he never actually made an offer. But well,
3: it's not. He said at the time he wasn't able to. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. And
3: which, in hindsight, sounds funny, but
2: right. Well, it's it's not just somebody ran with it, and or Dave ran with it, whatever. Brett wrote about it in his book, like this happened. And I'm sorry, but Bret Hart, I'm—I'll never not be a fan of the guy. But come on, he's—he's
3: he's in wrestler, that. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, one of
2: the—he's one of the top five guys that I'll, I only believe like a quarter of what he says. Uh, like it's got to, I
3: think it. Fish like that said he's him. the biggest mark in the world for himself.
2: Oh yeah, Bret Hart loves him some Bret Hart, dude. I mean, like that's—that's that's no doubt about it. But it's got to be like in that top five is like him, Paul Heyman, Jake Roberts uh honky tonk man and hulk hogan well not to bring the mood down to this one but i'm gonna
3: the okay, uh we haven't talked about racism death or uh rape yet so well every this one time packs- we do one of these podcasts there's always a story with one two or all of those so hit me well
2: well this one is uh you know got two of them packed into one so oh yay ready your butts The latest on Dick Murdoch, who passed away on June 15th at the age of 49, is that he may have died from a massive stroke rather than a heart attack, as previously reported, but no autopsy was performed, so we'll never know for sure. The night before his funeral, several Dallas-area wrestlers went and had a few beers beside his grave and left a six-pack at the grave when they left. In fact, Murdoch was buried with a Coors Light bottle. Wow. Interesting fact for you. Apparently, he had a, like, he worked for Coors Light for a while. can't remember if it was Jim Cornette or somebody else was talking about. He would, like, they paid him to, like, whenever he would go into the bars with the wrestlers, he would, like, push Coors Light. He's like, oh, <laughs> let me buy you, like, let me buy you a free one. Yeah, this I, and, and then eventually, I think they fired him because he was using his company car for a little too much on himself, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
3: Hmm. I, don't, I don't know what you mean, but...
2: Yeah, and the reason I say this is two of them is because it involves death, obviously Dick Murdoch passing away, and racism, where, uh... Well, at this point, we didn't quite know that he was a card-carrying KKK member.
3: So... I'm yeah. not even, kind of shocked at that.
2: Yeah. He... What was a uh, West... Yeah, it was uh, West Texas University. It was like a big school down there, I guess. And he never played for them, like on the football team, but... Why did Jared thought. tell you that? <laughs> Maybe. But, yeah, he never played for the team, but he was such a big legend down there, and people thought, like, they lumped him in with the other, like, former players become wrestlers, and they thought he played on the team. Then on the alumni game, they actually invited him, to, and he did play in the alumni game for him one time. So he guys Got his reps in. Yeah, so he it, he never he was he played on, in the alumni game for a school he never attended. So there you go. Uh,
3: speaking he got of, got Coors Light afterward.
2: Oh yeah. Hey, hey, you know we're gonna go out there. and We're gonna whoop some ass. And you know what go, goes good with a good ass whooping is an ice cold Coors Light.
3: <laughs> well, remember Brock Lesnar cut that promo in you know, see. He's gonna drink Bud Light because uh, or is Coors Light? Because Bud Light won't pay him anything. So. Maybe Coors has just always been the one that pays.
2: Hey, you know, blasphemy. I'm drinking a Bud Light right now. So, you know, hey, I'm again, I'm not fishing for sponsors. <clears throat> <laughs> but speaking of uh, college athletes turned pro, Dr. Dusty Williams said in a magazine interview that he would like to compete in the UFC, but only if All Japan promoter Giant Baba gives his blessing. Uncle Dave notes that Williams actually defeated Dan Severn in an NCAA tournament 15 years ago. Well, that qualifies him.
3: Hell yeah, haven't you ever seen Here Comes the Boom? (laughs) Oh, man, I forgot how the boom existed. Kevin James wrestled in high school like 30 years prior, therefore he was qualified to fight in MMA.
2: (laughs) Yeah, see, in 96, I'd say, okay, maybe, you know, whatever, because it was kind of a freak show back then. But, uh, like, when Here Comes the Boom came out, like, UFC was actually, like, legitimate. I don't think uh, Steve Williams, well, I, don't, I don't know, I, I saw some some of the fighters that came out of UFC during that time kind of sucked. So, maybe he'd be okay.
3: It's like, you, are you saying Tank Gavits sucks? Yes. That's <laughs> your mouth. He'll, he'll cut your beard off with a scissors to you, or a knife to your throat. <laughs> yeah. Right. And no,
2: those, those were scissors. That was not a switchblade that he pulled out of his pocket. And... <laughs> Outside of the big 2 here, after 25 years of running weekly shows at the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, USWA is officially moving to the smaller expo building at the Memphis Flea Market. Oh man.
3: Hope the jokes there. <laughs>
2: at, at the final USWA show at the Mid-South Coliseum, Flex Cavana and Bart Sawyer won the USWA tag team titles. Flex Sawyer, man,
3: that's a white nail I ever heard it.
2: He yeah, right <laughs> I think that was the younger brother of Buzz Sawyer, if I remember correctly. And uh, Flex Gavanna...
3: We're all wondering.
2: Uh, But Flex Gavanna, for any of you out there, uh, well, he's uh, currently making movies out in Hollywood. Uh, He did not
3: want to do much
2: Right. Is he still in the Fast and Furious franchise, or has he moved on from that?
3: Technically, yes, but not in the movie itself.
2: Okay. Uh, Was the last one he was in, Hobbs and Shaw? Yeah. Okay.
3: They replaced him with John Cena. Can yeah. to be a, a theme for his life.
2: <laughs> wow. Uh, just, wow. I never put that together. Yeah, John, John Cena, who did me play Vin Diesel's brother. Yeah. You can totally see the resembling. Look at him.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't give not you me chuckling at. Yeah?
2: Well, one of them you can't understand them, and the other one you can't see. There you go. <laughs> right. Oh, just anyway. my tickets, I just my
3: tickets, by the way. I'm stoked. Sorry, go ahead.
2: Nice. Uh, Big Japan Pro Wrestling is still planning to bring in Terrible Ted the Wrestling Bear on the next tour. Holy <laughs> sh! <shit>. What? <laughs> uh, real story. Is that real? I, this is real. Uh, but several animal rights groups in Japan are heavily uh, protesting uh, against it. <laughs> a Wrestling Bear. In 1996, not not 76, where that was a thing in the South. No, this is in Japan in 96. Oh my God. (laughs) Holy mother of God.
3: I was today's years old when I heard there was such thing as a wrestling bear.
2: (laughs) You never heard those? Like, that was a big thing back in, like, the Southern territories. They would bring in Southern... yeah, it was cage matches. Okay, put now like you heels. say
3: southern territory, though. I get it.
2: Yeah, it would always be like a... Usually it was like a cage match. And they would throw the bear in the cage with a heel and chase him around and smack him a couple times. And yeah. I think Jim Cornette said Bobby, uh, Bobby Eaton started off by doing a ton of matches against bears.
3: That's how Khabib Nurmagomedov got tough. Fighting bears. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's what you do
2: in Russia. You just... We fight the bear. Get beat strong. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was racist or not. I'm moving on.
3: Uh, definitely stereotypical. Uh,
2: it is. I didn't say anything offensive. Uh, so I didn't say I you did. Yeah, yeah. If anything, I complimented them. Uh, Canadian indie wrestler Don Callis is getting a tryout at the oh, WWE. Oh, there's a campings. name? Yeah. He's losing to Barry Horowitz. Callis was described as a cross between Raven and Bob Holly. And reportedly did okay. How kind of hybrid is that? <laughs> you know what you remind me of is these like the uh, grunge guy from ECW and the race car driver.
3: <laughs> God, <I'm> talking <laughs> about being DOA. Yeah, right. Like, um, thanks.
2: I guess I I don't know how to respond to that. Should I be offended or I don't know? Well, you know what Bob Holly would have said about his tryout. The whole thing sucked. Exactly. And I guess it did, because he didn't get a job. Ju- well, he got a job, but like as a manager.
3: Uh, yeah, maybe there a little bit later.
2: Yeah, when did he pop up in the Truth Commission?
3: Uh, I want to say it was either really late 97 or early 98.
2: Uh, it was definitely 97, because Bret Hart was there.
3: Okay, then so, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: because he, Bret Hart was the one that came up with the idea, according to Bruce Pritchard. They were trying to get, like,
3: Oh yeah, I, I would try I, to jump away from Having know. that idea too. Yeah, because right.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was like, when I was over in South, uh, in uh, South Africa, they had uh, this this Truth Commission. I think it could work as a gimmick. And it's like, oh
3: why does why does your Bret Hart sound like um, Johnny Ace wanting to oil McMahon's pecs?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, well Bret wants it. It's like, well I'm I'm awfully tan today. I can oil my own pecs. <laughs> Oh, well, here, here's something better than Don Callis, man. Recent WWF He's WF not a lot signee, better than him. Oh, oh, well, check this out. Recent WWF signee, Bill Irwin, will be brought in as the Goon.
3: Hell yes. Which,
2: which will be a hockey player. I got to tell you, I'm not a hockey guy, so it took me years to figure out why he was called the Goon. <laughs> I'm like, what is, like, he's a hockey player. Like, what does that, what does Goon have to do with anything? And then I'm like, oh, okay.
3: I just Okay, so per Bruce Pritchard, he says Vince sees guys and I see you as I just I can't imagine that yeah. Vince Man has ever seen a hockey game in his life, is where I'm like at. <laughs> right. Oh so, let alone when he know what the hell a goon was in hockey. Right. <laughs> so I don't think that yeah. will him, to be honest. <laughs> Well, Pritchard oh, says goodness. this all
2: comes from their pre, like, their interviews, like their pre-employment interviews. It's like, well, what did you do before you were a wrestler? Well, I was a hockey goon.
3: Well, yeah, okay, I well, heard God that excuse it. when he tried to – he used that to try to get around Duke the Dumpster, but I'm not buying it.
2: Yeah. Well, he was like, <laughs> no, he was a legit hockey goon. It's like, okay. Okay, well, hold that criticism. It's the next story. <laughs> Tony Anthony, better known as the Dirty White Boy, will be in WWF. (laughs) I know what's coming, sorry. He will be in the WWF using the name T.L. Hopper and doing a plumber gimmick because what he actually does as a shoot job is he's a plumber. (laughs) Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, plumbers get paid very well from what I heard. They better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, they're catching crap all day. Uh, But... Regardless.
3: I think in this case, we can say shit. In this in face. <laughs> <laughs> but this,
2: uh yeah, he catches, it, like, he has to be a plumber on the side because he was working in Smoky Mountain and apparently wasn't getting paid enough. Wow. I mean, that's what I'm thinking anyway, if that's his shoot job. Either that or, uh, was were they out of business at this point? I think they shut down in 95. But I could be Yeah, wrong.
3: probably. But he, he, he transitioned right over to OVW, right? So...
2: Cornette or Tony Anthony.
3: Cornette.
2: Oh, Cornette. Uh, yeah, I think there was like a little layoff there, and then he, uh, he joined O B W because uh, he said he wanted to get the f out of Stanford, so he had him send him to Kentucky.
3: I just, yeah, I, I remember when he debuted. I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I remember one of the first things, I, I like one of my earliest, or only memories, I should say, of him, is that SummerSlam pre-show, someone dropped a, <clears throat> a baby Ruth in the pool. you can <laughs> see where I'm going with this. And
2: <laughs> Wasn't that a, a Caddyshack thing?
3: It was, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, what the F, man? It's just, I get it, he's a jobber, but what the frick, man? You got a plumber a uh, goon uh, uh, uh the trash guy whatever the hell Sal sincere was
3: i can't believe they've used in the in the red in in 1995
2: and 6 yeah right and then you had people like um bashin booger and mantar who had hooves
3: still don't know what the hell that was
2: yeah well here's why he's, uh foreshadowing Barry Windham had knee surgery seven months ago and is supposed to be in good shape now. He will be meeting with the WWF in a week or two. (sighs) He'd come in to be the stalker.
3: Yes, and it failed miserably. I remember all the promos building him up. It looked like he was even some badass heel. He comes in as just a guy wearing camouflage and a WWF logo (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt.
2: Yeah. Look, okay, first of all, they act like we've never seen Barry Windham in the WWF before.
3: Or right. ever, period. Anywhere, I guess. Right. He was a
2: big name in in uh, WCW for years, and even if you don't want to go off of that, he's been in the WWF both as Barry Windham, and he was the Widowmaker in his last run. USA in... Express. Yeah. We know who the hell he is. We've seen him. What the F is this? And then no, and But there's no the box of gimmicks, though. Him. Yeah. But then, like the, the 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 gimmick, like if you're gonna give him a hunter gimmick, like the stalker, I I get what they're like. I know what they're getting at, but but no, <laughs> no.
3: Oh, God, still so baffles me to this day. I'm I'm twelve. Years old watching this, man. Oh, that's Barry Windham. Exactly who it was. <laughs> <laughs> and Even like the promos. <laughs>
2: yeah, they bring him out. And they're like the Stalker. And you're like, f you. That's Barry Windham. <laughs>
3: yeah. but, like the promos too. He was like in the like in the jungle or something like that, hiding like in camo, like hunting something. Yeah. And that I didn't. T- I couldn't tell who it was because he had the paint on him and all that. But yeah.
2: Right.
3: Same thing. Uh, same 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 year or no uh, ish with if, within a year. Uh, Same thing with Goldust. I'm like, oh, that's Dustin Rhodes. What the hell?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, uh, I think Pritchard said they actually filmed those in the woods out behind Barry's house, too. Oh. So, uh, yeah. WWF has hired a new announcer named Kevin Kelly, who will likely start as a backstage interviewer, but is being groomed to take over announcing from Vince McMahon, who's planning to step down in a year or so.
3: Hashtag plans changed. And if you don't like Kevin Kelly, please die. Yeah,
2: right. First of all, hashtag plans change. Second of all, yes, if you don't like Kevin Kelly, please die. So it's a real quote
3: from Dave Meltzer, though, folks.
2: Yep. Yeah, He can try to backpedal away from it. You know, he told people if they don't like Kevin Kelly, please die. And the Iconics gained weight after NXT. You know, and, and uh, you know, and he went on every week about how Sable was more boobs and fake boobs and woman and all plastic and all this other crap.
3: Even if. Hey, thanks for pointing out the obvious, Dave. Well, it's like even if all that is true,
2: why are you printing this? Like, good uh, lord. Because little
3: marks uh, pay all the money for it.
2: Well, it's like did did she laugh at your little dingoing or something? Like, God, like what is your problem with her, dude? <laughs> the.
3: <fuck>? <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! You said that.
2: No, that's the only thing I could think of, man. Uh, my favorite thing, by the way, is cornet called Sable the female Ultimate Warrior. She
3: wishes.
2: Because <laughs> he, he said, well, she had the look. She, you know, Vince was able to, you know, do mass hypnosis and get people to cheer for him, and they sucked in the ring. she should have never been in the business. Like, oh, man. A little stiff, but whatever.
3: I mean, he's not totally wrong, but you know, I love the Ultimate Warriors.
2: Right. And I love Sable <laughs> for different reasons, but yeah, either way. Jeff Jarrett's WWF contract expires on October 7th, and he'll be starting with WCW immediately after. This would be when he tries to get into the Four Horsemen.
3: Still wearing that uniform, by the way. Point yeah, that, that out. That
2: effing, like, flamboyant Chippendale dancer outfit.
3: When I think of a Chippendale, man, I think of somebody from Tennessee.
1: Well, he
2: had. I, do you remember that beautiful blonde hair he had all quaffed and everything? I did? Was so perfect. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, he had the look, man. He, uh, he, he should have been in that, uh, that Saturday Night Live skit with, uh, Patrick Swayze and, and, uh, <laughs> Chris Farley. <sighs> all right. Anyway, uh, this will actually lead into the, the pay per view that we're going to talk about. Brian Pillman debuted on Raw this past week, doing his contract signing in a pre taped segment. He was in the hospital all week prior to that because his ankle got infected and he had a high fever. That I did not know. you remember when he popped up on WWF? I do, yeah. I mean, did you, like, were you kind of shocked? Like, oh, wow, that's Flying Brian.
3: Um, yeah, I don't remember how I feel, honestly. I just, Look, I, I mean, really can't don't... tell you. I mean, it was cool, but, I mean, I my, my fandom had worn off because I didn't like the, the, uh, the loose cannon thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I get it now, but, like, at the time, yeah.
2: Like, don't get me wrong, I know he had his place in history, and especially looking back now, it's like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. But, like, I feel like at the time, like, like right now, when they look back, they make it a bigger deal than it really was in the big scheme of things. I mean, Mm -hmm. am I wrong about that? No. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't think anybody was like, I mean, smart fans and certain people, sure, whatever, but I don't think the majority of people were like, oh, my gosh, they got flying Brian Pillman?
3: Like, well, also keep in mind he was doing the whole loose can thing, right? Yeah. But if anybody watched the his introduction to MBB, mm-hmm. he's not doing loose can thing. He's like really calm and he's like genuinely happy to be there. <laughs> and it's like, wow. hey, what am I supposed to feel right now? What are you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, uh, that makes him even crazier because you know sometimes he's normal, sometimes he's
3: nuts. Yes, please <laughs> sign that.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man. But anyway. Uh, last couple stories here out of ECW. Should... I haven't done it in a couple of months, so I think I should bring it back.
1: This week in ECW.
2: ECW's Hardcore Heaven 96 <laughs> took place and was a mess of a show due to various technical problems, but was still regarded as one of ECW's best shows ever. I've never seen it, so I can't comment. It's
3: like picking up the good end of a piece of crap, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's... A, that's like picking up a turd by the clean hand.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh... Well, I mean, that's faint praise, but whatever. Over 1,500 people were jammed into the ECW arena, and the show lasted more than five hours due to delays. Uh, for starters, the sound system went out. <laughs> then at one point, the ring broke, and there was a long delay going after midnight. In order to keep the crowd from getting restless, Kimono Wanalea came out and did a strip tease for the crowd. And finally, when the Sabu RBD main event started at nearly 1am, the top rope broke early in the match, so they just worked the rest of the match without it.
3: Man. And, uh, you remember when
2: the get crap,
3: I get crap from people for hating on ECW, and you wonder why I hate this garbage.
2: This was like, man, you want to talk about like, uh, uh, Snakebit, dude. Like, sound system goes out, uh, ring breaks, The top rope breaks, like, damn. This is,
3: uh, this is God's way of telling him, get rid of this crap. I want an office.
2: Yeah, right. This is the equivalent of getting struck by lightning multiple times. Like, God's telling you, like, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Like, whatever you're doing, stop it. Just, just stop.
3: I'm sorry, but if you like DCW, if you genuinely like DCW, something wrong with you.
2: Well, there's a uh, frequent listener that will take offense to that, but... I know. <laughs> Dude, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't enjoy it.
3: So I mean, was, I give uh, AEW crap, uh, but man, they try to wrestle. I don't know what the hell this was.
2: Um, Stuff? I don't know. But I didn't realize a couple of these things happened in this time period, by the way. We talked about this um, a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago.
3: I can't remember which show on, it was. Real quick, real quick, speaking of that, I, yeah. I mean, I'm still looking at, I'm still like, when you, when you just said, you didn't realize it happened in the same time period, I'm still mm. wrap my head around the fact that we get what we're about to see and the Outsiders doing what they did at Bischoff in the exact same month. Oh, like, yeah. Like, what the hell? I never realized it was the exact same month.
0: Yeah, I mean,
2: this honestly was a big month historic for a few reasons that I mean, I'll get to a couple, you know, uh, the things out of ECW that I mean, one of
3: them, I mean, one of them really is, well,
2: well, one of them really is memorable. Uh, I mean, depending on what way you go, you know, for better or worse, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I forget, we we touched on this about a month ago. Uh, I can't remember which 96 show we talked about this, but it actually happened. One of the matches was Taz versus UFC fighter Paul Verilons in a so-called shoot. And I believe you told me you have no idea who that guy is.
3: Right.
2: Okay. Well, the idea was to have Taz beat the, a known UFC fighter to give him credibility before the show, or excuse me, but before the show, Verilanz refused to do a clean job to Taz. A compromise was worked out for Perry Saturn to interfere and cost him the match. There was a lot of heat in the in the uh, days before the match because. Verilanz was acting like he might not even show up and talked as though he was really going to shoot on Taz, just in case things went wrong. Paul Heyman had several other heel wrestlers at ringside for the match so that they could get involved if Verilanz went rough. Eventually, Verilanz agreed to put Taz over, but not cleanly, you know, Hmm. because to this day we know who Paul Verilanz is, but Taz, where the
3: hell is he? That's the guy that, that wrestled in ECW, that's who he is,
2: uh, yeah, I think he uh, changed my well a Jiffy woo the other day, but I could be wrong. Oh,
3: anyway, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's another story that Missy Hyatt wrote about in her book. I don't know if, I mean, again, that's another one of them people. Can you really believe? But supposedly she she talked him into doing the job, uh, claiming that if by he giving
3: put, him. A, oh, sorry, sorry.
2: Well, here here we go. If she said if he if he agreed to put Taz over and do the job. She would, um, folate him. Wow. And then when he got to the back to, uh, collect on his agreement, she said, Sorry, I don't, uh, you know, uh, jobbers. <laughs> and he got angry and started, like, destroying the locker room. So, I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. It came from Missy Hyatt, so.
3: Okay, look at the context of that story, though. So, yeah. that one I actually might believe. <laughs> Yeah. While saying it, I was accusing her of doing it for once. I think I might have to believe this one.
2: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the Sunny book where she just goes on about all her sexual escapades. And it's like, I believe most of them. I don't know if I believe all of them. You know? Yeah. But last story here. This was what I was Real talking quick, about. Oh, by the but, way. Yeah.
3: About the uh, MMA guy versus the wrestler. I don't know if you know yet. We're going um, to see that again very soon.
2: Oh really? Who and where?
3: Uh, well, it was proposed uh, on Dynamite. It's gonna be probably Hager and Wardlow in a cage, in a MMA cage. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So well, there's that. Ah, <laughs>
2: uh, I don't know how I feel about that one. We'll we'll
3: see. Hager is adamant that he's undefeated as a MMA, but can beat I mean, anybody.
2: <laughs> I mean, he is, but I don't well, that's know. right. He
3: beat uh, what's his name, Joe Schmo. I- yeah that's right
2: right well remember when he kneed the guy so hard the balls he had to quit (laughs) Uh, but this is the the thing i was talking about another historic angle for this time period this was also the famous show where sandman's wife peaches became raven's new valet and they got sandman's nine-year-old son involved in the angle too with the story being that he now worships raven and he disowned his father
3: you're drunk i now worship raven (laughs) (laughs) yeah And
2: Uh, I'm going to reuse it. I wish Raven was my father. And I wish he didn't have the devil's curly hair. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man. I hope somebody gets that reference. All right.
3: Well, if you don't, there's something wrong with you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just uh, watch some movies, man. That's all I can say. We're nerds. But all right. We're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're actually diving into the event at hand, which is a good one. It's uh, King of the Ring 96 right after this
1: follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on twitter at main event underscore marks and on instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector
0: good morning good afternoon good evening and good night my name is thomas and what's your name
1: oh i'm alan, alan. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, oh yeah yeah,
3: we're brothers that's right yeah, yeah the that. mother same mother and father
0: Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. The main event
1: marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
2: And we're back for WWF King of the Ring 1996. Took place June twenty third 1996. The tagline, to battle is honor, to win is hell. Okay? I mean, it's better than anything TNA ever came up with. (laughs) You and I talked about the taglines that TNA comes up with. They're just uh, something else, man. The venue was the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They had a sellout attendance of 8762 for a gate of $142,568. The pay-per-view buy rate was .65, which... Amounted to 160,000 buys, so pretty good, I'd say. Not a bad buy rate. Right?
3: Decent.
2: But the opening package plays up the Ultimate Warrior versus Jerry Lawler feud. Man, what a feud that was! We get to see that infamous uh, pro thing in the ring where Ultimate Warrior wore a damn ball cap. Yep. <laughs> Because he was, like, so concerned that Waller was going to hit him too hard with the glass picture and hurt him. my gosh. Anyway, The Undertaker vs. Mankind feud. The Smoking Guns vs. Godwins. Goldust vs. Ahmed Johnson for the Intercontinental title. Shawn Michaels vs. British Bulldog for the WWF title. And all the men who are competing in the King of the Ring tournament. The announcers say that this is the greatest card in the history of King of the Ring. I mean, maybe? Hey, can yeah. you think of, at least up until this point
3: well, legendary
2: I, yep we finally go into the arena Owen Hart is coming out in a tuxedo and carrying one of his slimiess
3: <laughs> that sight was just great <laughs> yeah he shoved he, he was legit hurt here so he couldn't do anything I think he was supposed to be in the tournament so yeah
2: right yeah yeah he's wearing a cast on his one hand yeah. So, but he shoves himself between jim Ross and Vince McMahon saying that they need to quit wasting time so that he can give his expertise on the matches. Side note, it's pretty sweet that they made the round lady truss above the ring into a giant crown.
3: Ah, I like that, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was awesome. When they zoomed out, I was like, whoa, that's that's awesome. The first match of the night is a King of the Ring tournament semifinals match. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Wild Man Mark Merrow. Sable in his corner. This went just shy of 17 minutes. Austin is still coming out to his ringmaster theme, and he hasn't gotten his vest yet. He just recently debuted the Stone Cold Stunner against Savio Vega. Uh, during this match, Mero busts a hole in Austin's upper lip, and he'll have to go to get that stitched up at a medical facility, pal.
3: So last week I was on the when we were closing. That was, that's what I was talking about. I don't think it's ever happened in the wrestling industry before when someone gets busted open, has to go to the hospital, get fixed, come back. And has another match.
2: Yeah. Well, usually, I think now, if they do have to get stitched up, I think they just do it right in the back. Yeah, right, yeah. So that's probably
3: why it's never happened before.
2: Right. This one, he... You could also
3: argue that they have that now because of this. I don't know if that's true, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, Because Austin talked about this on his uh, A&E biography that I watched. He said, yeah, he said, uh, I had to go to the hospital, and I got back right before... He's like, I literally walked in the building and to the ring for my my next match. So, uh, but either way, uh, in the end, a stun gun gets a near fall, but the stunner, gets a three count. Uncle Dave gave it three and three quarter stars. I wasn't that crazy about it. I gave it two and a half for average. What say you?
3: I gave it three. I really love this match.
2: I don't know why. It's just something about Marrow and WWF never clicked for me. Just like, I don't know. And him and Austin, I just, I felt like they could have had better, but it was obviously it was just me because you and uh, Uncle Dave sure liked it. So either I, way, I just
3: always liked Miro. I don't know why. Also, we gotta point out he opened the card. That's a staple of Mark Miro's. Yeah, Mario.
2: I know. It's like he's the perennial curtain jerker. Why well, wasn't that one of his gimmicks, curtain jerker, Mark Miro?
3: <laughs> I don't think they want to use curtain jerker, but
2: <laughs> yeah. Either way, we now go to the back where Doc Hendricks is standing by with Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake spouts out a bunch of church hymn lines and then says he can't lose with the power of God lifting him up. I like how Mick Foley points out he's like, oh, I'm not mocking anybody for that, but he's like, it's kind of hard to believe Jake when he's talking about all this and then like I'm seeing him like drunk off his ass, pissing on somebody's on the side of somebody's car out in the parking lot. <laughs> Like yeah, uh, something tells me that uh, he's lying. But no, regardless. yeah. I like by the way how he had to wear the they they made him wear the vest at this time because he was like so out of shape. i are like yeah, um, might want to cover that up. Either way, uh, next match is Baker. By the way, what the gut no, or the vest? The vest. Oh okay. Yeah, well, you remember how, what he looked like at uh, Heroes of Wrestling.
3: Yep, I remember. I just had a flashback of that because they showed it on his dark side of the ring.
2: Yeah, he wore uh, karate pants. tucked into his cowboy boots.
3: <sighs> anyway. Yeah, he like more white than that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. But the next match is another King of the Ring semifinals match. It's Vader with Jim Cornette taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. Or as... Uh, uh, Brian Zane calls him Jacob the Snake of Roberts. <laughs> this one went about three and a half minutes. In the end, Vader misses a splash in the corner. Jake goes for the DDT, and Vader takes the, uh, the referee down with him. So the referee disqualifies Vader for that. To me, it may looked like Vader just bumped into him, but they claimed that he, no, he pulled the referee down. I'm like, okay. Uh, Dave gives it a quarter of a star. I give it one and a half for what it is. Maybe one, because it's not that long. Let's say you.
3: I gave it one. It was terrible, but... Yeah. Yeah. Clearly they're setting up something else, so... But I'm not giving points for that. I'm just pointing it out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. This was, like, I'm like, why so short? Like, I don't know. I feel like they could have him wrestle at least a little bit here, but maybe they weren't confident that... Jake and Vader could have a good match. Either way, uh, after the match, Vader splashes Jake in the corner twice as Cornette holds the referee back. Vader then hits a Vader bomb on Jake before a ton of referees hit the ring to hold Vader back and get Jake out of there. Backstage in the restroom, I don't know why they're in an effing restroom, Jim Cornett is shouting about how the, quote, crooked referee screwed Vader over, and then Vader grabs Cornette, shaking him and shouting,
3: I didn't lose! I'm kicking the ring! Yeah. You know, just like that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, basically. I, I just wanted him to look in the camera,
3: Skiger! Skiger! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bad flashbacks. Uh yeah. So I when he grabbed Cornette like that, that just like reminded me of Cornette saying that like Vader didn't like take care of his gloves very well and they like flaked off a lot. And one time he grabbed him like that and shook him and the black rubbed off of his gloves and gloves and uh like ruined his his suit jacket so he had to throw it away.
3: Yeah, those are some custom uh suits too.
2: Yeah, those are, <laughs> Hey, those are uh, Kentucky Derby suits, man.
3: He wishes <laughs>
2: No, really. He said he he buys them around uh Kentucky Derby season. <laughs> he goes down and buys all those loud ass suits just for that.
3: And Tom Brady have them on wholesale.
2: Oh my gosh. Tom Brady like, I'm wondering, it's like, where the hell does Tom Brady shop? Because I, I just want to know, so I never accidentally walk in there. <laughs> I'm sure it's all very expensive, but, I, I mean, He's you can mark up crap.
3: guys I look at, I'm like, that dude's a billionaire?
2: <laughs> yeah. Cam Newton, too. He dresses yeah. like an old lady. Like, oh, uh, man. What is it with, like, it, so did they sign Cam because they're like, well, we got rid of... No, the one horrible dresser. Gotta get the, another one.
3: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah.
2: We gotta make somebody look... And make the others look good. But we now see footage of how Billy Gunn forced a kiss on Sonny during a match with the Godwins. Yeah, because that would go over well today.
3: Well, this, that's all like, you know, at least he just did it without telling us Goldust. Uh, I want to come out there and stick my tongue down your throat.
2: Well, at least he warned them. You know, <laughs> so that's good. But him forcing that kiss on Sonny apparently turned her on uh, to the smoking guns from the godwins now backstage I can't Kendrick, understand
3: how i mean you had phineas for crying out loud
2: how can you give up naked midian or excuse me soon to be naked midian for billy effing gun like really
3: billy like F-ing come on bitch cakes wow uh, Your name? But, well <laughs> no one called him it
2: yeah yeah but backstage, Doc Hendricks interviews, all of them, and shows footage from the free-for-all where the Bonnie Donnas have a new manager named Cloudy. It's literally a man in makeup and a blonde wig with Sonny – but Sonny is acting like it's an ugly woman. Like, what the hell, man?
3: Well, Dr. Tom needed somebody. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why I, I said that. I just wanted to point out that Bruce Prichard's brother was this guy. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Well, you know what I. You know, all I can think of when I saw this was.
3: It's ma'am! It is ma'am! Oh my god. (laughs) Holy crap.
2: I mean, come on. Am am I I wrong
3: there? Move on.
2: (laughs) All right. Uh, Do I have to get to this match? Yeah. Yeah. It's the smoking guns, Billy and Bart gun. Defending the W.
3: It was that bad. Sorry. Yeah,
2: I mean it's not horrible, but they're defending the WWF Tag Team titles with Sonny in their corner. By the way, against the Godwins of Henry O. and Phineas I. Godwin. You know, Hog so, and I'm so, Pig.
3: I'm so glad you told us that because I thought it'd be the other Godwins.
2: Well, I gotta let them know it's Phineas I. Godwin for Pig and Henry O. Godwin for Hog. Got to Gotta let them know. Well, they have Hillbilly Jim in their corner because, you know, uh, uh, honey, we got, we struck it big. We got the big time. You know, he's got to collect that paycheck for him and his mama.
3: Yes, we were at that Hall of Fame, by the way, folks.
2: Yeah, and, uh, I got up to piss during his speech. And anyway, this went 10 minutes, 10 seconds. The Godwins and Hillbilly Jim come to the ring carrying baby goats. Um,. <sighs> Okay?
3: <laughs> I'm just really bummed that every time I watch a match with Hillbilly or these two, whatever, they don't have the actual theme song.
2: Oh, that's not the original theme
3: song? No, they they came out to like that weird... Uh, Did they
2: come out to Don't Go... Co-
3: don't no, the country they don't. Boy? They came out to a dubbed song.
2: No, I mean, was that the song they originally came
3: yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I yeah. didn't know the Godwins came out to that. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they don't have the rights to that song, because they even... They didn't even, like, even for, like, when they can use it, like, you know, and get away with it. Like, on, like, and dub it in. They didn't use that the Hall of Fame we went to. Yeah. The banjo music what the hell?
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know.
3: I believe the last time we ever heard it was WrestleMania 17.
2: Mm. Wow. Oh. <sighs> now in the archives, by the way, we reviewed that a couple months ago. But, uh, yeah, they put the baby goats in the ring and let them run around and while they, uh, stomp and clap. Yeah, that was a thing.
3: You so say, that, go to, say that negatively.
2: <laughs> yeah. We now go to picture-in-picture picture during this match with Cloudy, quote-unquote, she, thanks Mr. McMahon, says that she fills out her outfit better than Sonny and blows a kiss to Mr. McMahon. Mother of God. I guess they said this was just, like, a friend of Chris Candido's. That, you know, he wanted to get a job.
3: Man, what a way.
2: Yeah, right? Hey, you want to dress and drag on, on national TV? Sure. Whatever. I just now thought of, that. like, when I was watching this, I was like, this is like Vince McMahon's two visions of the South. Either you're a, like, a pig farming hick, or you're a cowboy. Roll side? Yeah. Anyway, in the end, when the referee's distracted, Bart Gunn nails Phineas in the back of the head with his cowboy boot and Billy pins him for the win. Uncle Dave gave it one and a quarter stars. I gave it an even two. What say you? I gave it two. It was uh, fine.
3: Gun. Oh, he's he was getting ready to win the brawl for all so I forget it's coming up.
2: Hell yes. That was um, something to remember, man. But after the match, the Godwins brawl with the guns, sending them into retreat. Sunny dances with the belts in uh, front of the entryway. As we go back to Doc Hendricks standing in the locker room with the British Bulldog, Jim Cornette, and Clarence Mason, they put over how the deck is being stacked against Shawn Michaels with Owen Hart at ringside and Mr. Perfect as guest referee for the world title match. There you go. And Clarence Mason's no longer in basically a body's He's made a miraculous recovery. It's a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle he's been hailed.
3: That's probably who
2: did it. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Love will lay hands on you and give, bring you the healing powers of love.
3: <laughs> I love how he's just like a typical uh, minister, like like a minister.
2: Yeah, like Southern like, Baptist preacher.
3: But he, <laughs> he used the word love instead. Like, wow. Yeah.
2: I don't know. I always we felt like used
3: kind of... the book of love. <laughs> I just found that key like kind of brilliant.
2: Yeah. Well, he never had a Bible. He had the book of love. Like, whatever. That <laughs> was funny, though. I never understood him painting his face red, though. That one...
3: I right. didn't either. When I first... When I, when I realized that he was, it was it was paint the whole time, I was kind of, like, shocked.
2: Yeah. I'm like, I get that you're trying to look like, you know, because they get all red-faced and sweaty and whatever when they're preaching, like, you know, Baptist churches in the South. But, like, that was clearly paint. <laughs> like, he didn't even make it look real. And I don't know if that's what he was going for, but I'm going to assume... Either way, before the next match, Jerry Lawler walks up onto the stage where the King of the Ring will be coronated. Lawler grabs a mic and tells McMahon to shut up before he looks over at the King stuff and takes the scepter. Then, on his way to the ring, King verbally craps on the Milwaukee Brewers before singling out people in the crowd for being ugly, fat, or losers. I like this one. Uh, Speaking of things that wouldn't get over in 2021, he tells one young woman that it's women like her that turn men into... Well, people like Goldust.
3: Yep. Oh, man. This was the beginning, the unofficial beginning of Goldust's face turn. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. They would have a feud. Nice. And uh, I'm going to try to censor this. Jerry Lawler would drop the Q word, if you will, on TV.
2: (laughs) Well, Ron Simmons dropped the F word on him. Yeah. (laughs) So there's that. Although it did sound like he called him a ferret. So... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, because yeah. the way he pronounced it, I was like, uh, did you say what I think you said? Because it sounded like ferret, but it also sounded like the other word.
3: No, it's okay. They they say that kind of stuff at um at Florida.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but king then says that it's the fault of the Ultimate Warrior that they're fighting because he never accepted Lawler's painting of him. So Lawler says that like the painting, he's he framed the Warrior, and now he's going to hang him. Wow.
3: Yeah, it's funny though. I heard uh, Lawler said he really did that. Like that was really his painting.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently Lawler just loved to paint. So you know he'd paint anything. I guess he, I think he made a big ass painting for uh, Vince McMahon or a few of them. So I, I think uh, yeah, if I remember correctly, one he made one of like Vince's whole family, and like Vince cried.
3: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Rumor has it he has a, a painting of Baker Mayfield with the. Lombardi Trophy it's got <laughs> Ha ha written under it. Anyways, let's move on.
2: What the hell? <laughs> uh, hold on one quick. That,
3: that might have been funnier last year when they weren't actually, or year before last, when they weren't actually good.
2: <laughs> wow. This match is Jerry the King Lawler versus the Ultimate Warrior. It lasted just shy of four minutes. Lawler jump starts the match by hitting Warrior in the ribs with the scepter and then choking him with it. Uh, Lawler uses Warrior's duster and his wrist tape to choke him out and even punches him with something he pulled out of his trunks. Uh, finally, Warrior no-sells the pile driver, a la Road Warrior Hawk. Do you remember when Hawk used to do that crap? I do. Uh, he repeatedly clotheslines Lawler, it's a flying shoulder tackle, and then pins him by putting his knees on his chest. The match was short because Warrior apparently had a shoulder injury, although I don't think they could have gone much longer. Uh, Uncle Dave gave it a dud, I just gave it a star, say you.
3: I'll give it one.
2: Whole thing sucked?
3: Yeah, but, I mean, it was never going to be great, so, I mean, not much to.
2: Nobody know. really lo- looks fondly upon this run of the Warrior here.
3: If you notice, they skipped over it in the Dark Side documentary and the WCW one. Oh, the WCW one skipped over both, but.
2: Uh. I, Yeah, I was really shocked because they have access to, uh, like, Eric Bischoff.
3: Eric Bischoff whatever. was on yeah, there. Just... Yeah,
2: so. How did they not cover his WCW stuff? I only, I know they only have a short amount of time, but like, dang. <sighs> Either way, uh, but we now go to a backstage where Doc Hendricks is standing by with WWF President Gorilla Monsoon, while a doctor is taping up Jake Roberts' ribs. Monsoon says that he doesn't know how bad Jake's injuries are, but he will let him wrestle again against Steve Austin later tonight. So one has a kayfabe injury and one has a legit injury. <laughs>
3: Oh, yeah, and the the blood of the lamb was going to help him. He yeah. you know, he didn't get what he was saying, did he? Ah, <laughs> uh,
2: I, I I really don't know. Uh,
3: <laughs> hey, you know, like, you're gonna uh, be religious, whatever, two inches own, but quote it right, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that's more of like that. I I, I guess I can see, you know, because. When somebody says, like, I pray the blood over you, whatever, it means, like, you know, like healing powers or whatever, but still, like, I don't know. I don't fully think he bought it. I don't think he fully bought into it, is my thing.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, it was just a gimmick. I hate saying that.
2: Yeah. We see highlight footage now of mankind popping out of the casket at Beware of Dog, which we covered, and helping Gold Dust stuff the Undertaker into the casket, costing Undertaker that man. Then, again, on Raw, he held Undertaker outside of the ring to get Undertaker counted out against the British Bulldog. He then lays Undertaker out with a pile driver. That leads us to this. It's Mankind versus The Undertaker with Paul Bearer in his corner. It went 18 minutes and 21 seconds. This was my second favorite match on the entire card, I'll say.
3: This is my absolute favorite match on this entire card.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, I'll get to my favorite match later. But this one...
3: Oh, yeah, if it's not this, it can only be one thing, so yeah.
2: Right. (laughs) (laughs) But... Paul Bear walks to the ring alone, looking worried, but when the, he uh, raises up the urn in the corner, the lights come up, and the Undertaker is on the top rope, and he leaps onto Mankind with a clothesline to jumpstart this match. I noticed almost every match on this card was a jumpstart, by the way.
3: Yeah, and Jim Cornette was there, so... Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what if we jumpstarted? Well, uh, we gotta, we a gotta get a jumpstart, we gotta man. get an afterbirth, you know, all the stuff. <laughs> what the hell? You never heard him uh, say that?
2: Yeah, like, oh, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, he's, they, not, he's not wrong. It's just like I, I never would have known that verbiage or verbiage for him. It wasn't for him.
2: <laughs> you're right. Uh, but they never an- announced this as a no disqualification match. I don't believe, but they use a chair repeatedly and no one gets disqualified.
3: Uh, well, they use the old excuse the referees letting them go or whatever. Yeah,
2: kind of like when Hogan used to do that as Hollywood Hogan. Yep. And they're just like, ah, well, you know, he's using discretion. Whatever. Paul Bear stops Mankind from hitting the Undertaker with the urn, but Mankind locks in the Mandible Claw on the Undertaker. Taker fights back, but Bear accidentally clocks the Undertaker with the urn, allowing Mankind to lock in the Mandible Claw yet again. Taker passes out. Mankind wins it. Uncle Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. I gave it an even three. What say you?
3: I gave it three. I loved this match. Oh yeah, now, they would have a far. Actually, no, I w- I wanted to say four, but they have a couple of way better matches within this year. So because of that, knowing what I know, I said three. But this was damn good.
2: Buried alive comes up this October, right?
3: Yeah, they also wrestled the Survivor okay. Series, and-, and there's a match on Raw, I believe. So
2: uh, in your house. Buried Alive, now in the archives, go check that out. We covered it last October because I didn't think ahead that we were actually gonna go through ninety six this year. It was just kind of a happy accident. But yeah, so go check uh, that out. I
3: do, do you wanna say I remember watching this and I was waiting for Paul Bear to turn on him. I feel like I knew it was coming. And spoiler, it would happen at SummerSlam. But I, Yeah. I feel like I knew it was coming, and then when he hit him with the urn, I thought it was on purpose. Looking back it probably was. But like Right. I,
2: yeah. Yeah, you can see it, just like, felt inevitable. it building up. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can see it kind of building up after a while. But after the match... I, I,
3: mean, I think this is one of the quiet, greatest feuds Undertaker's ever had. I know he's had way better ones, but this is like one of the best.
2: Yeah, I, I mean this was... I mean this wasn't a main event feud, but I feel like this was like one of his top feuds. It, just, it ever. made
3: sense, because never had he been owned like this.
2: <laughs> right. And his feud with Kane, I feel, was like had more story to it.
3: But it did, if... but my problem with that one is as great as it was, they all of a sudden after, they're just tag team. It just kinda, yeah. The, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great, but I don't the know. Matches were felt never... like uh, lazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, the matches were kind of hit and miss for me with them. Like, uh, they weren't always
3: They good. had 14, which was like pretty close to a five star, and then they never touched that again.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. After... Whereas every time Undertaker of Mankind hooked up. It was amazing almost every time. But after the match, Mankind chases Paul Bearer to the back with a steel chair. After this, we go to the back again with Doc Hendricks, who's standing by with Mr. Perfect. Hendricks says that he doubts that Mr. Perfect will be objective tonight, but Mr. Perfect dismisses Doc's doubts. Shawn Michaels comes up and tells Perfect that if he indeed calls a world title match down the middle, he'll have to raise the hand of the better man. And he walks off.
3: So it is it was insane that. to me to look back at 1996 and look at the guys Mr. Perfect was with, and mm-hmm. never got real matches with him. Like he was a referee here, never got the match with Bulldog, not to, be spo- not to spoil anything. And then he had the thing with Triple H, never got that match. Oh, I know. And those were both have been amazing.
2: Yeah. That Lloyd's a London thing that, you know, he, he took, he thought that was going to be the answer, but...
3: Yeah, but he got out of it. I mean obviously, he wrestled again.
2: Yeah, I think Bischoff paid it off, or Turner rather, paid it off.
3: Why didn't they do it for Rude? Not to go off on a tangent real quick, but why didn't they do it for him?
2: I can't remember the reasoning for that one. Uh I Bischoff said why, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but either way, I think that was part of the I think that was part of the deal with uh Hennig coming over, whereas Rude just came over.
3: So yeah, well, you get more of the school job, yeah. So.
2: Yeah, so I think it was on. I yeah, so I think that that was why, because that was part of Hennig's negotiations, I believe, was uh, like. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's like, well, pay it off and I'll wrestle. Whereas Rude was just like, I want a job. This next match was Gold Dust with Marlena. He's defending the Intercontinental Title against Ahmed Johnson in fifteen and a half minutes. Ahmed Johnson. I gotta. The
3: ring. I gotta point out something real quick. Yeah. Did you happen to see who were holding the doors for this? No. I believe this was a young Hardy Boys.
2: I thought they were, I was looking, it didn't, I mean, I, I didn't get a good look at them, but this didn't look like the year that they did that, but I could be
3: wrong. I know, I don't know if they were doing all night, but they're, they were definitely the ones that took the hit from Ahmed Johnson.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> oh, man. Well,
3: Johnson 95, Russia. I believe they did, for sure, all night, Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, I believe yeah, that. It's funny, somewhere. like,
3: oh, wait, they're going to get hit by these freaking huge-ass doors. We need somebody to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you guys don't mind, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnson so, rushes
3: the ring. Real quick, by the way, as you're saying, he's rushing to the ring. He bursts out the doors and knocks the hell out of these guys. I uh-huh. thought that, that was cool. I don't know why.
2: I like these old set pieces, too, like that. Yeah. So.
3: That's a huge lost art in today's wrestling.
2: I know. He rushes the ring and jump starts the match. There you go again. They end up brawling <laughs> all around ringside for a while. This was a hard hitting match. Uh, after knocking Ahmed out with a pile driver, dust, uh, gold, excuse me, gold dust crawls up him while rubbing on him seductively. Later on, he kisses Ahmed's body while rubbing on him. Uh, he goes from mouth to mouth again on Johnson, but after a couple of puffs, Ahmed goozles Gold Dust and beats the crap out of him. Finally, Johnson wins with the Pearl River Plunge. Uncle Dave gave it dope stars. I gave it three, actually. I, I really liked this match. What's the you?
3: I as well gave it three. I liked it. I had good build up and everything. And I gotta be honest, at this time, right here, as we're speaking, I was like hashtag all in on Ahmed Johnson. This is my guy. I was well, a huge fan of his.
2: Well, you know, Bill uh, Bill Watts wanted to call him Buck Johnson. So, <laughs> yeah. that would have got over like a fart in church.
3: I don't know. He had that hit factor. I don't know what it was, man. There's something about yep. him.
2: I liked him. He he was never going to have a five-star match. He had five awesome star
3: Ash or... theme song, by the way. I need to point that out. Yep. Bad-ass oh, hell yeah. theme song.
2: One of my favorites that Jim Johnson ever came up with that most people don't talk about.
3: Yeah, but and uh... I loved the Pearl River Plunge. That's, that was a cool move.
2: Oh, yeah, but... mm. That Tiger Driver, that was, that was some good stuff, man, because nobody in WWE did it at that
3: time,
1: yeah.
2: so it was cool. But backstage, Ahmed Johnson walks into the babyface locker room, and everyone pops champagne to celebrate with him. Shawn Michaels even comes up to hug him and congratulate him. We now go to a commercial for WWF International Incident, where a WWF fan gets abducted by aliens out of his, his uh, living room. And he asks the aliens if they can do all that later because he's watching WWF. And the aliens go back to the guy's home to watch the WWF with him. And when they see Sonny, they say that they require further inspection and they beam Sonny into the guy's liver, uh, living room.
3: So stupid, but I loved it. It was so horrible that it was good.
2: All these commercials <laughs> back in, in, in this time period were awful. Just, ugh, man.
3: <laughs> this one in particular, man, it was just like, wow, this is so bad, it's good.
2: Uh, Do you remember that last one we talked about where the king thought he went to heaven, but he ended up going to hell? Yeah. Vince uh, McMahon was Satan. <laughs> oh, man. But here we go. Now, Brian
3: Pillman. Uses his, me that makes the match with God make all sense in the world. I just got that.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. Right.
3: <laughs>
2: Brian Pillman uses his crutches to come down to the ring, shouting at the cameraman and the fans. Pillman is wearing a Four Horsemen t-shirt, by the way. Don't, yeah. know you've I don't know if you
3: noticed that. How the hell that got across? T- or how that got on TV? But I, I'm guessing
2: he probably didn't just, tell anybody.
3: Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. So that's my Kinda only. Kind of like guess. that situation with Lita in the Royal Rumble a couple of years ago, where she had that "Time's Up" written on her stomach, but didn't tell anybody.
2: Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, Jim Ross interviews Pillman at ringside, and Pillman says that he doesn't give a damn about. His, about uh, Ross's family or the fans or no, Pillman's family, I think or the fans, and it's easy to see why Jeffrey Dahmer tried to consume that entire state of Wisconsin <laughs> That's, uh,
3: That was a bit much for me, but
2: I I'm like, not holy laughing, crap. it's
3: so funny but I'm like, wow, he said yeah.
2: that Yeah, <laughs> he just said whatever the F he wanted, and he he ends up calling Jim Ross a stupid son of a bitch and he says, he does and says whatever he wants, and that he's going to, quote, rape, pillage, and plunder the entire Federation. Like, um... That's, uh... That doesn't sound appealing,
3: man. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I, I feel like his raspy voice made it all the better.
2: Oh, for sure, yeah. It added a sense of cool to it.
3: This but, is on a night we're about to get what we're about to get, by the way. That's Right.
2: Yeah, we go from <laughs> Pillman to Austin. The next match is a King of the Ring tournament finals match. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Jake the Snake Roberts in four and a half minutes. Stone Cold attacks Jake right away, attacking the ribs. Eventually, Austin rips off all of Jake's rib tape. Gorilla Monsoon comes down to check on Roberts. Jake refuses to surrender, and he attacks Austin. The flurry is short-lived, however, and Austin is able to hit the Stone Cold Stunner for the win. Uncle Dave gave it a half a star. I just gave it an even star. What say you?
3: I gave it one star, but what's coming up, I will give five stars too.
2: Yeah, that sucked, but this, yeah. I don't want to say it sucked. It just, I don't know. It was what it was. But after the match, Steve Austin goes up to the stage where the King of the Ring throne is, and Doc Hendricks is standing by with a microphone. Austin says he proves that Jake Roberts doesn't have what it takes anymore to compete in the WWF. He now drops his infamous line of, you thump your Bible and you say your prayers and it didn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms, talk about your John 316. Well, Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. Austin says that Roberts needs to go buy a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and get back that courage he had in the 80s. Thunderbird?
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: I was like, damn, that's a random one. That's a white one is what it is. Well, look who he's talking about! <laughs> but he finishes it all by putting everyone in the WWF on notice, saying he will be the WWF champion, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so.
3: I like when he said, "Doesn't uh, who doesn't who, who matter who or what they are? They're all on the list." <laughs> Basically saying, "Cheer me, Boomy! I hate everybody."
2: Yep. You just made the list of Austin. <laughs> Oh man. But we're gonna take our second to last break. When we come back, it's main event time, and what a main event it is. It's a WWF title match right after this.
1: Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector.
2: Fubo TV offers you live sports and TV without the overpriced
1: cable. Fubo TV offers 100 channels, live and on demand, plus over 130 streaming in 4K, and a cloud DVR is included. The Fubo TV app is available on all smart devices, so you can watch what you want when you want. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. Cut the cord and sign up for your free trial at Fubo.tv today. Fubo TV is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Uncanny Sports Network.
0: At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. The main
1: event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
2: All right, we're back. It is Shawn Michaels with with, uh, Jose Lothario in his corner. He's defending the WWF World Heavyweight title against the British Bulldog with Diana Smith and Jim Cornette in his corner. Mr. Perfect is the special outside enforcer. This one went about 26 and a half minutes. You've got to love the overt racist comments that were allowed back then. Owen openly calls Jose Lothario a, quote, dirty old Mexican.
3: Well... Yeah. <laughs> it's just,
2: he said a lot of, uh, regretful things about Jose during this match, and I was just like, yikes. Uh, anyway, Bulldog turns the crowd against him instantly by waving the Union Jack. At one point, Jim Cornette tries to get involved, and Michaels takes his racket and smacks him in the ass with it. I thought <laughs> oh, that was funny. In the end, Shawn Michaels hits sweet chin music. Mr. Perfect slides in, he makes the count with Earl Hebner. But Owen pulls Mr. Perfect out as Hebner counts to three, awarding the match to Sean. Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter stars. I just gave it an even four stars. My favorite match of the night. What do you give it?
3: I gave it four. I thought it was the I thought it was the best match of the night. My favorite still, Man, Can, Undertaker. But this is clearly better.
2: Yeah, this was. I mean, for as much as I didn't like their Beware of Dog match, and I can make excuses and whatever. This was great, man. Yep. Both men had their working boots on. They were in top form. Everybody played their parts great. I loved it. But uh after the match, it's still going on. Yeah, we, we
3: got an afterbirth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Owen's arguing with Mr. Perfect outside of the ring, asking why he was counting for Sean. And then he slides in to beat up on Sean. Michaels fights off both Owen and Bulldog before finally Owen connects with a spinning wheel kick to put HBK down. Now Ahmed Johnson eventually runs to the ring and starts beating up Owen and Bulldog, helping Sean. Now Vader runs in to beat up on Johnson as Owen stomps away at Sean. Owen dives off the top rope to knock Sean Michaels out with his cast before holding him down so Vader can go up top. And then the ultimate warrior rushes in, shoving Vader off the top chasing off Camp Cornette, and in the end, Warrior, Michaels, Johnson, and Lothario all celebrate together in the ring while Shawn Michaels' music plays, and the crowd goes wild. There you go.
3: I went crazy for this when I was watching it, dude.
2: Oh, I bet. I I'm went sure you loved nuts. all three of them, guys. Yep. It's a hell of an awkward-ass team, but it's cool. Never thought I'd see these three in the same ring together, but eh, Yeah. But we now go backstage as we're informed that at the International Incident pay-per-view, it will be a six-man match of Vader, Bulldog, and Owen taking on Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, and Ultimate Warrior. Jim Ross is standing by with Camp Cornette. Corny claims that Jose Lothario pulled a switchblade on him, (laughs) and he complains about how Bulldog got screwed over by Shawn Michaels and all of his friends at ringside. Cornette finishes the promo by saying Jim Ross has the biggest jowls he's ever seen in his life. Good lord. (laughs) <laughs> and then Cor- and then uh, Jim Ross was like, why don't you shut the hell up <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, this was great but alright man, that's the show I guess we should take our final break when we come back, final ratings and what's coming up on the future of the podcast
1: follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on twitter at main event underscore marks and on instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector
2: fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues teams and players that you love including the nfl mlb nba nhl ncaa nascar soccer and golf they even offer esports gear for the gamers among us you can shop by brand sport
1: team or player and if you sign up for fan cash you get exclusive weekly deals so head on over to fanatics.com today fanatics is a sponsor of the main event marks and unhinged sports
0: network That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA 844 759 7732. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price.
1: The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Final readings time. IMDB
2: gave this 7.4 out of 10. CageMatch.net gave it 7.51 out of 10. I actually gave it 8 out of 10. It wasn't amazing, but it was historic, and I really liked it. What say you?
3: I gave it a an A minus. I just thought this was like it was historic. It was enjoyable, mm-hmm. even if some stuff was bad. I was into it. Um, I don't need a paper view yeah. to have like all five star matches to give it a high rating, honestly. So I, I loved it. It was yeah. fantastic.
2: Yeah, I was definitely one of the best King of the Rings I've ever seen off the top of my head. I can't think of a, a one that was like, you know, a million times better or anything like that. Uh, I mean, there were other obviously historic King of the Ring shows that we'll talk about in the future. Our first show ever, by the way, our first podcast ever was on King of the Ring 1998, which, by the way, featured Undertaker versus Mankind again. Seemed to be a theme. Yeah, and this one... It was just a match, and it was great on that one. It was Hell in a Cell, and it was, uh well, it was historic, I'll say that. <laughs> and everybody kind of knows that. But, yeah, go back in, in the archives and check out our very first ever show, King of the Ring 1998. We've come a long way since then, but, uh yeah, I, I, I think we should continue the tradition every June, covering at least one or two King of the Rings. But now that that is done and wrapped up, our bonus show drops this Friday, man. It's WCW Great American Bash 2000. Uh, anything you want to say about that one?
3: I've watched it already, and no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the less said the better.
3: Uh, yeah. There's something that happens on there that's pretty good. I, I don't know. I don't think that's a good <laughs> thing that I'm saying, hey, one thing's good. but mm. Yeah. There's that one thing, and then the rest of the show's (laughs) sucked ass.
2: But yeah, so that's coming up this Friday for our bonus show of June. And this is a five Wednesday month, so we have six shows, including the bonus, this month. So June 30th, our final show this month, it is TNA Slammiversary 2013. And this is Sting versus Bully Ray. For the TNA world title.
3: Do you know who he is? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I read about him on that fire-breathing Twitter machine. <laughs> there was a last-chance-no-holds-barred match, by the way, between those two. And if Sting so if Sting loses, he can never challenge for the TNA title ever again, bro. Never let's, again, bro. See how that works. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a last-knockout-standing match between Taron Terrell and Gail Kim, which is better than it sounds. We got Kurt Angle versus AJ Styles. And, yeah, just a lot of stuff going on in the show. Two, count them, two matches for the TNA television title. And we're, you know, who else is on the show, Greg, is the future Dexter Loomis. Oh, he's yeah. The, hmm, he's on the right. gut check final for the uh, to qualify for the 2013 Bound for Glory series. It's Jay Bradley versus Sam Shaw, who, like I said, go on to be Dexter
3: Loomis. And he's not stalking a woman this time either, so.
2: Wow. But anyway, that is next week. Like I said, join us this Friday for the bonus show. Again, we are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. Links are down in the podcast description. And you can catch us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on the unhinged sn.airtime.pro free internet radio. And please subscribe and review if you are listening on the podcast feed. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And we will see you this Friday with Great American Bash 2000, bro.
3: Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active
0: lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks. Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives so you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Enjoy. Thanks. The order
1: breakfast at the McDonald's drive through Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal.